Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay and St. Petersburg. It's the Cleveland Guardians 4, the Tampa Bay Rays 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it was kind of a fun one last night, wasn't it, Guardians fans? Yeah, we went down, we beat Tampa Bay to open up the series. Shane Bieber, boy, after that first inning, after that first inning, Guardians Twitter was not happy with Shane Bieber. There were some people throwing Shane Bieber under the bus, and there were some tweets that looked really silly, really silly by the end of this game because Shane Bieber locked in after that first inning and absolutely dominated this game. Top storyline of the game by far. Shane Bieber on the mound goes seven innings, gives up five hits, all singles, one earned run in that first inning, two walks, and eight strikeouts on 97 pitches. He's only hard hit five times. In fact, both of those walks come in the first inning? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, Two of the singles, two of the walks come in that first inning. It's a lot of runners on the base in that first inning. I get it. A lot of action on the base pass, but man, does he settle down. He strikes out the side in the second inning. He does give up a single to Yu Chang, but strikes out the side in the second inning, and then shuts him down in the third. Gets into a little trouble in the fourth inning. Uh, does give up two singles. Has a balk in this inning. Uh, didn't like made a move, but didn't come set. Balks are always weird. Balks are always weird. You gotta like get out a magnifying glass, like Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes, to figure out like. Was it was it the art? You know, what move did did he flinch the glove? Did he is it a hip thing? You know what what move did he bend his knee? Uh, it looked like he started to come set, but then didn't. So there was the balk there. But he gets the ground out of Yandy Diaz to get out of it, so the balk doesn't hurt him. And then he starts shutting him down in order. I mean, shuts him down. Uh, the next three innings all go one, two, three, including a bunch of strikeouts in that seventh inning. Uh, so really shuts down 10 in a row to uh, end his start and turn things over to the bullpen in the 8th and ninth innings. So, I mean, Shane Bieber was good. He was really, really good. And remember, he's coming off a start where he gave up three home runs. So after that first inning is shaky, look, I understand how a little bit of panic set in amongst Guardians fans. But, I mean, if you turn the game off or something like that, you missed a gem of a start from Shane Bieber. Uh, everything, every pitch of his was working on the night, and the velocity was up. He averaged just under 92 miles per hour on his fastball. I know there were complaints early. People were saying the fastball was only hitting 90. It was 91.9 average velocity on that fastball. He maxed out at 93, which is up a full mile per hour from his yearly average, which has been at 90.9. Okay, I know it's not 93-94 with the fastball, but he was up near 92 most of the night. Uh, But the pitches were effective. That's the point. You know, velocity be damned sometimes. The pitches were effective. He started pitching to the edges a lot more with that fastball, and then that slider and that knuckle curve were doing what they do, getting whiffs. Getting whiffs. Come on. All right, so the four-seam fastball... He gets five whiffs on that. He did pump a few fastballs, 
by some guys. 14 called strikes on the four-seam fastball. It's good for a 48% CSW on that pitch. The slider, he pumps, he gets eight whiffs on 14 swings on the slider. That's a 57% whiff rate. He gets six whiffs on eight swings on the knuckle curve. That's a 75% whiff rate on that pitch. Overall, it's a 44% whiff rate on the day. Add in 21 called strikes. It's a 42% CSW total on the day. That is elite stuff. That is back to Cy Young, Shane Bieber right there. And uh, yeah, it's really, really good. I mean, the average exit velocity off him on the day was 85.3. Really good stuff from Shane Bieber. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep talking pitching. Why not? Let's go back to the illustrator and really see where he was locating some of these things. Now, yes, in that first inning, there are some fastballs, there are some cutters, even a slider that Andy Diaz hits that are up middle of the plate. First inning, he did leave some stuff middle of the plate. But I can tell you, after that slider to Yandy Diaz, the Tampa Bay Rays are not going to get another hittable slider the rest of the game. Uh, most of them for the rest of the game are down and away, down and away to that glove side. He throws one one uh, slider to the arm side of the plate to Yandy Diaz uh, that he gets out on in the fourth inning. But everything else is just burying it into the corner of the strike zone and then dropping it out the bottom of the strike zone. So after that first mistake to Yandy Diaz, he does not leave another slider up there to be hit the rest of the game. Uh, So he learns his lesson in that first inning. Uh, Pitching to the edges really well with the forcing fastball uh, and the cutter uh, and then just dropping that knuckle curve down below the zone. Where was he getting all those called strikes? Uh, the called strikes were on a lot of fastballs and a lot and a couple of knuckle curves, actually. He threw a couple of knuckle curves over the plate, surprisingly. You're used to seeing him bury those below guys' knees. Well, he got a couple of called strikes on him, dropped a few in the zone uh, early in counts, uh, started an, on an 0-1 count, dropped one into Brandon Lau, uh, started Randy Orozarena on a in the fifth inning, uh, with a knuckle curve on the plate. Uh, started Yu Chang with a knuckle curve on the plate in the seventh inning. Uh, and started in the seventh inning Roman Quinn with a curveball on the plate. So these are OO counts, and he's just going to come out and drop a curveball. They're not ready for it. They're sitting fastball on that first pitch, and they just sit there and take it. Um, he did get, I'm going to tell you right now, Shane Bieber got the benefit of the doubt from the umpire. And he threw a couple of fastballs off the plate to his glove side, right? Across the plate to his glove side. He threw about four fastballs out here that probably should not have been strikes. And he threw two sliders out here, including the called strike to Yu Cheng in the seventh inning uh, that were way off the plate. I mean, these pitches probably should not have been called strikes, but that was, I guess, the strike zone. The... uh, the Tampa Bay pitchers don't have many pitches out there that got called strikes. Uh, Ralph Garza, who came in in relief, got some, he has one fastball out there that's called a strike. So maybe they just weren't taking advantage of it. That's just not where they were attacking. But Shane Bieber definitely took advantage of a strike zone that was a little bit wide to his glove side. All right, now what about all those swinging strikes? Let's see where those swinging strikes are. He did, like I said, he did pump a few fastballs by some guys. Uh, he does throw some fastballs down the middle that get by some guys, but it's a lot of sliders and it's a lot of knuckle curves 
down and away, buried to his glove side of the plate. You know, I don't say down and away necessarily because if it's a lefty or a righty batter, that's why we say glove side versus arm side. That at least tells us no matter if it's a lefty or a righty up, you know that he's sweeping this slider, sweeping this knuckle curve across the zone and bearing it down in that quadrant. Um, A lot of stuff below the knees they were chasing. So where did the eventual strikeouts come? Those eight strikeouts, they were four on the slider, down and away to the glove side, three on the knuckle curve, down and away to the glove side, and then one fastball that locks up Randy Orozarena uh, on the glove side edge of the plate for a called strike three in that third inning. So that's what he was doing. He was really, really, really doing a good job of sweeping those breaking balls across the plate, across the zone. So yeah, it is a huge pitching day for Shane Bieber. And the fact that he's able to limit the damage in the first inning and come back and just really, really lock in. I love that he strikes out the side in the second inning. You know what? I'm not done talking pitching. Let's look at these strikeouts. It is the bottom of the order, but he does turn things over uh, to the top of the order here. Uh, Roman Quinn, he gets him on three straight pitches. A four-seam fastball for a called strike. A knuckle curve at the bottom. All of these are at the knees. Four-seam fastball at the knees for a called strike. A knuckle curve at the knees for a swinging strike. And then buries a knuckle curve in the dirt that he swings over. So Roman Quinn being way too aggressive against that knuckle curve. And he strikes out. Yu Chang does single. He leaves a fastball up in Yu Chang. Yu Chang had a good game against us. You knew he was going to do that. You knew Yu Chang was going to have a good game against us. Uh, yes, it did not work out in Pittsburgh. And he found his way to Tampa Bay. And now he's playing shortstop for Tampa Bay. He has bounced around a lot. Going back to the top of the order, it's interesting because now he pounds Yandy Diaz up and in with fastballs. Throws him five Four seam fastballs in a row up and in. Finally, you know, gets it to a 2 2 count, throws him another four seam fastball up and in, makes it a full count. He misses off the plate with it, and then finally goes slider down and away. It's this is a bizarre at bat here where he just pounds fastballs to that arm side of the plate up and in to the righty Yandy Diaz, and then finally on the sixth pitch, after he gets to a full count, he chases a slider down in the zone. I don't think he does this in other Yandy Diaz at-bats. In other at-bats, he throws him a couple sliders away. In his next at-bat, uh, he's going to keep stuff down. Uh, frankly, Diaz would be more aggressive in other at-bats. Does he face him a fourth time? Uh, yes, he faces him one more time, and he stays away. So this is the only at-bat when he strikes him out here in the second inning. This is his only at-bat where Bieber is just pounding things up and in. And then Brandon Lau, he stays down uh, a couple of knuckle curves in the dirt that he's actually able to lay off. But he stays down around the knees and eventually gets him uh, a swinging strike with a slider at the knees buried into the left-handed hitter. And he swings through it for a strike three. So that's what Bieber was doing to strike out the side in that second inning. I just thought that was impressive. An interesting pitch mix, especially to Yandy Diaz, when that was not the approach. You know, sometimes you're like, okay, the scouting report is clearly to pound somebody up and in. Or, uh, you know, like the way they love staying away on Josh Naylor. Well, I I don't know. Something about that at bat. They just decided to attack up and in, and they don't do it the rest of the game 
to uh, Yandy Diaz. So interesting stuff there from Shane Bieber. And I, I mean, I can't continue to say how amazing the start was. Like it really was a return to form for Shane Bieber uh, dominating this Rays lineup. All right. The other storyline in the game is Jose Ramirez leading this offense that, frankly, the top of the order getting things done. Uh, after the four-hitter, uh, Andres Jimenez is the only one with a hit, five through nine. The only one who delivers a hit, five through nine, is Andres Jimenez's RBI double uh, in that fourth inning that brings in Owen Miller to score. Now, in the first inning, we get the leadoff guys on. It's looking good. Ramirez does hammer one to center field. Unfortunately, it hangs up there and it's caught. Uh, what was the expected batting average of that? Only 210. Only a 210 expected batting average. So, yeah, he hits at 96.4, but it hangs up there in center field and they're able to run it down. But we get runners on the corner and that brings up Owen Miller. And people were pissed. Josh Naylor was getting the day off. Uh, so Owen Miller was in there. They refused to move Andres Jimenez up in the lineup. Like it's it's bizarre how much they refuse to move Andres Jimenez up in the lineup. With the lefty on the mound, he gets as many right-handed hitters in there. You knew he was going to do something like this, but it's also was he giving Naylor a day off because of his back? Uh, Jose Ramirez also gets a day. You know they call it a day off his feet. He DHs instead of playing third base. That gets Ernie Clement in there. Uh, and then Reyes is playing right field instead of uh, Nolan Jones, so he really does get a bunch of lefties out of the lineup. We're lucky that he leaves Andres Jimenez in the lineup, but he doesn't move him up at all. Instead, Owen Miller is hitting cleanup, and it doesn't work in this first inning. You have a chance to score in this first inning, and he strikes out bad, chases a bad pitch, and then Fermil Reyes flies out to end the threat. So we have a chance with the first two guys out in that first inning, they get it done. They get a guy in in that first inning. G-Man Choi just rockets a single back up the middle with runners on first and second. 105.6 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, they were surprised Straw didn't make a throw home. I think it's actually a smart thing. I mean, it's the first inning. He holds the runner at second base, and it sets us up to get out of the inning. Uh, so it does, it prevents another run from scoring, which sometimes you make that call as an outfielder, like, fine, all right, it's the first inning, a guy's going to score, but I'm not going to let this inning keep growing, right? If he throws home, that runner is going to third, and then probably moving up to second. The Guardians do that later in the game, where Quan scores, they throw to third, uh, Ahmed Rosario's in there, and Jose Ramirez does what Jose Ramirez does, takes the extra base, moves up to second, so... I actually think it's an okay decision by Straw not to throw home in that first inning. Uh, wouldn't be until the fourth inning when the Guardians' bats would wake up, uh, and it would be all off off-speed stuff uh, off of Springs, the pitcher for Tampa Bay. All off, it was sliders and changeups that they were hitting. Uh, Owen Miller hits a slider and uh, pulls it, or actually pokes it, I'm sorry, pokes it opposite field down the right field line, and it drops in for a hit. And then Andres Jimenez, two batters later, he would turn on an inside changeup that was up in the zone, and he would turn on it and shoot it down the right field line for back, uh, not back-to-back -back doubles, but two doubles in the inning. Brings in Owen Miller to score. Uh, and then in the fifth inning, after Quan with a one-out single, Ahmed Rosario would pop out, and that would bring up Jose Ramirez, and he would hammer one. He would get a slider 
down middle of the plate, hit it 105.1 mile per hour exit velocity, 402 feet. Well, a little, I mean, it was right at the edge of the wall, but a 790 expected batting average. It goes out for a home run. A big shot right there. You weren't sure which offense was going to break out first, right? It was a 1-1 game. We had just, in the fourth inning, we had just finally got it on the board. But would that be it? You know, what else was in the tank? And then Jose Ramirez showed him what else was in the tank. Uh, Comes through with the big, big hit here. Makes it a 3-1 game. And the way Bieber was pitching, I mean, the way Bieber was pitching, 3-1 was going to be a pretty good lead. They would add on, though. He wasn't done yet. Jose Ramirez would deliver again in the seventh inning. This time with two outs, Quan and Rosario find their way on base. Quan was getting singles all over the place last night. He popped one off the pitcher's mitt in the first inning. He shoots one up the middle in that fifth inning. And then in the seventh inning here, he shoots one under the glove of Yandy Diaz at third base. Uh... You know, puts one 91 mile per hour exit velocity, not a terrible exit velocity, gets it through, gets it through the left side. And that uh, Ahmed Rosario would walk, Quan would go up to second, and then Jose Ramirez, they were pitching him away in this at bat in the seventh inning. Let's see if I could find the matchup in the seventh inning here for uh, Garza against Jose Ramirez. You know, I take that back. I take that back. They were pounding him inside with fastballs. He fouls off, uh, or he takes one for a called strike. That was the one off-the-plate fastball that Tampa Bay got called. They throw him another one up and in that he fouls off uh, for strike two. So he's down on the count 0-2. I actually don't mind this pitch mix from Garza. You pound him up and in with fastballs, and then you go change up away. That's probably a pretty good mix against most hitters. But Ramirez, he just doesn't whiff like most hitters does. So he does the smart thing. He gets a change of away. Maybe he knew it was coming. I, you know, you don't know what kind of scouting reports these guys have. Maybe he knew that a change of away was coming. When Garza gets ahead, he goes to the change of away. Was that in this a scouting report that he looked at right before he went up to the plate? It felt like he knew what pitch was coming. A change up away, off the plate away, and he just shoots it back up the middle to bring in Quan to score. So it's a really, really nice piece of hitting from Jose Ramirez right here. Uh, sticking with that outside pitch after, you know, seeing two fastballs up and in to be able to stay patient, stay hands back, and shoot a changeup back up the middle, not try to crush it, not try to hit a home run, similar to what G-Man Choi does in the first inning. Takes a pitch, rockets it up, back up the middle, and gets his RBI. Gets that run batted in. That's what makes Jose Ramirez so good. Yes, I, some guys, yes, I know Judge, you know, is probably in line to win MVP this year because he's just hammering home runs. But this is what makes Ramirez so good. Gets the RBI, knows how to get the job done. So, yeah, like I said, most of the hits, if we look at the uh, everything that was put in play for a hit by the Guardians on the day, most of it is off-speed stuff. Uh, Springs gave up hit three hits on sliders down middle. Every, same location for all three sliders. Uh, Owen Miller's, Jose Ramirez's home run were basically in the same location. And a Stephen Kwan single, that single up the middle in the fifth inning, it's all sliders middle down. Uh, then there's three change-ups that go for hits uh, that the Guardians batters were able to stay patient. They frankly hit things off the plate. 
Uh, and then a fastball and a cutter go for a hit as well. But mostly, like you see, mostly off-speed stuff the Guardians were staying patient with and hammering and, and getting some big hits off of. So that's how the Guardians offense does it. It's a huge day in the middle of the lineup for Jose Ramirez. You know, sometimes the Guardians offense gets a little help with the bottom of the lineup turning things over to the top of the lineup. That wasn't the situation. The top of the lineup had to do it all by themselves, and they were able to come through with some big hits. So Quan, three hits on the day, two runs scored. You love to see that from your leadoff hitter. Uh, and then Ramirez with two big hits on the day and three RBIs driven in. Uh, and then some extra base hits from Owen Miller and Andres Jimenez sprinkled in there. So it was enough to get the job done when Bieber and the bullpen were pitching that good. By the way, Trevor Steffen comes in in the eighth, gets two strikeouts and a ground out in the eighth inning. Classe does give up a single, but a strikeout and a double play ends things for Emmanuel Classe. Boy, this is funny to say. Emmanuel Classe had to work in that uh, ninth inning. He had to throw 12 pitches. I mean, that's, that's frankly, that's a lot for Emmanuel Classe. This is a guy who usually gets it done in like 10 or less. Uh, so, yeah, 12 pitches for Emmanuel Classe, really putting in the effort. Um, so, yeah, it's a good job by Cleveland pitching all around. Interesting, Stefan, Trevor Stefan gets the setup call right there, right? In a, in a save situation, in a 4-1 game. Didn't go to Eli Morgan. It went to Trevor Steffen to set things up for Emmanuel Classe. I still think, oh my God, getting a setup guy, getting another closer, getting a setup guy to pitch the eighth inning in front of Classe. It just means you'll be able to deploy Trevor Steffen, De Los Santos, Eli Morgan in different parts of the game, right? And then you'll have someone who's used to being in there at the end of the game, pitching that eighth, leading into Classe in the ninth. I still think a trade deadline target has to be some type of closer setup man uh, to pitch that eighth inning. As good as Trevor Steffen was uh, on this night against Tampa Bay. So I think that's it. I think we have covered this game. I think I've given you all the details I can dig up and find on this game. I was really impressed by Ramirez. Really impressed by Shane Bieber. MVP on the day. Oh, don't make me choose. Don't make me choose between Bieber with eight strikeouts, giving up only five singles. Uh, don't make me choose between that and Jose Ramirez with the home run and the RBI late. I think I got to go Jose Ramirez. Uh, something about this game came alive when Jose Ramirez hit that home run. It just really, really felt like... I know the win probability line shoots into the Guardians' favor when they take a 3-1 lead, but it really felt like when he hit that home run... We were not losing this game. So MVP on the day, Shane, you did fantastic. MVP on the day goes to Jose Ramirez on this one. Uh, sometimes you got to make the tough decisions. Uh, they were both very, very valuable on the day. But Jose Ramirez gets it. Uh, all right, that's all my thoughts. Uh, I did get an email. I got a, Ken hit me up on the email uh, he is just desperate for a trade here at the trade deadline. He says, get rid of Reyes three times. Get rid of Reyes. Get rid of Reyes. He wants Contreras from Chicago as a catcher, and he wants Suntagard and uh, Montas as starters. Uh, he really wants us to go out and get Montas from, uh, from Oakland. So we'll see. Hey, if they make a trade with Oakland, it might not be Contreras. It might be their catcher. Uh, I believe it's Murphy, right? Uh, so yeah, they might go out and uh, they might make a trade with Oakland. I don't know. 
Right now, the Reds are the team to trade with. It is a fire sale with the Reds. They just trade Castillo, uh, their ace starter, to the Seattle Mariners. Seattle now, we've seen three trades basically go down. Uh, the Yankees gave up some middle-of-the-road prospects to get Ben Attendee. Uh, the Mets gave up some middle-of-the-road prospects to get Tyler Naquin and a relief pitcher deal. Uh, Castillo is the first big trade. Four prospects go back to Cincinnati, including their number Mariners number one, three, and five prospects. Uh, so really paid a hefty toll for a big starter like Luis Castillo. So you can see what the market might be for a Frankie Montas, right? We might have to deal from the top of our prospects. It just, it bothers me. It bothers me that the Yankees and Mets, teams like that, keep getting away with trades where they don't touch like anyone in their top 20 prospects. It's kind of ridiculous that they keep getting away with trades like that. Meanwhile, teams like the Mariners and the Guardians are expected to trade from their top five prospects. I just it bothers me that these other teams get away with it, and uh, some of us are, are us middle market, small market teams, you know, have to pay such a hefty price on the trade market. I it just, you know, why isn't someone raking the Yankees over the coals for their top prospects? Why aren't they doing it? Uh, this one shortstop, uh, Novi Marte, is like one of the top prospects in all of baseball. I think this guy is like top ten or top twenty in all of baseball. Uh, the shortstop. So, uh, yeah, the first big, big trade. Uh, Luis Castillo going to the Mariners, making a run at, definitely making a run at the playoffs this year out in Seattle. So, yes, I, I know, Ken, I know you want to get rid of, I get it, you want to get rid of Reyes. You made it very clear. I agree that, yes, they have to make a move at this trade, trade deadline. This team is too good. This team is too good to waste the opportunity here. Uh, we just showed we competed with a you know, a banged-up Boston team. You know, two stars were missing on that team. Uh, but we're definitely, you know, staying competitive in this American League Central. And we have some definite easy holes. Some easy holes to plug. Some very obvious holes to plug. There's been talks that maybe we're trading Plesak to the Phillies. Uh, if we do, if we do do that, I hope they're looking at other starting pitching out there, and I hope they're not counting on Kirk McCarty and Connor Pilkington. Like, if if it is time to trade Plesak, uh, you better bring me up Battenfield. You better bring me up Xavion Curry. You better, or go nuts and go to the double-A team and bring up one of those guys. Like, we've seen, I, God, did Sabathia make the jump from double-A to the majors? Did he skip triple-A? I feel like we've done it before where we've called up uh, minor leaguers straight from double A as far as starting pitching goes. I don't feel like it happened as far as pitching goes. I don't feel like it happens with hitters very often, but it feels like it's happened before with pitchers. And because it's my podcast and I have the ability to edit, I paused for a second and double checked on it. And yes, Sabathia did. He pitched in double A in 2000. And then in 2001, he makes the opening day roster and is second in rookie of the year voting at 17 and 5 on the season with a 4.39 ERA. Uh, yeah, uh, really interesting stuff there. So it's happened before where guys have made the jump from AA to the major starting. So if you do trade Plesak, what's the corresponding move? That's what interests me a lot. Obviously, what you get back for Plesak is interesting. But 
What's that corresponding move as far as the rotation goes? Are you trading for another starter? Are you bringing up one of the one of the higher level prospects that we've kind of been watching, right? We've kind of been sitting on and watching. There's a lot of pitching talent in the system. So yes, make a move, Guardians. Come on, make a move this weekend. Let's have some fun. Uh, let's go out there and let's make a run at this division. Let's go win the Central Division. That would be a lot of fun. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Ken, thank you for the emails. Thank you for the enthusiasm at the trade deadline. I am with you. I still don't know what they would get for Reyes. I know everybody's frustrated with Reyes. I honestly see Reyes getting optioned back down to AAA uh, to figure out what's going on, to learn how to be patient uh, rather than him being traded right now. So thank you for the emails, Ken. All right, before I officially get out of here, here is the situation for this weekend. Uh... I've not done this yet in three seasons of doing this. I figure out a way to record, but uh, I'm going out uh, tonight. I got tickets for the Elton John concert at Progressive Field. It's going to be a late night. Now, it is a day game. I just don't know. I've got friends coming in town for the concert. I just don't know if I'm going to get a chance to sit down at the microphone and record a podcast. It's just... One of those nights where I just don't know how it's going to happen. Now, there's a chance in the morning I might slip on the mic, record the podcast, but uh, there's a real good chance that I won't be able to get it done. So, in that situation, if there's not a podcast tomorrow morning, understand I'll do a double header style episode on Monday morning. All right. So, bear with me. This might come up actually twice in the next few weeks. Uh, bear with me. If I have to push and do a double header, header, double header episode, I will. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for sticking with this all season and uh, listening. I love the enthusiasm. I love that you tune in. I love that sometimes you go back and you catch up on old games that you missed. Uh, staying part of the conversation. Enjoying some good baseball conversation. So who knows? Maybe I'll sneak on the mic. Maybe, maybe after the afternoon game's over, I'll be able to jump on the mic really quick before we even go down to the concert. But... Uh, just giving you a heads up, there may be a chance that you finally will not hear a fresh episode from me. We may have to push till Monday morning and do a doubleheader episode. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final, it's your Guardians for the Rays 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.